Now, if you're into history, as I do, one thing that you have to understand that the word democracy is not something that we just invented in the year of 2023. For example, historically speaking, did you know that so often we tend to misunderstand some of the infamous but historical figures? For example, Adolf Hitler. When we talk about Adolf Hitler, of course, everyone remember such ruthless behaviors and inhumane ways that he treated the Jewish communities, especially the citizens. But meanwhile, did you know that Benito Mussolini, once considered as also the dictator of Italy, was actually one of the influence influencers for Adolf Hitler? As a matter of fact, based on the historical evidence, Adolf Hitler admires the courage and also the boldness of Benito Mussolini. And that's how he set up the entire Nazi system, which ruined the lives of of the millions. Of course, today, fast forward, when we talk about democracy, we need to talk about this relationship between democracy and economy and also between democratic system and the social life today. So that's why in this episode, we need to bring our audience back to one of the strategic and the critical countries in the world, which is, get this, Pakistan. If you remember our show, we have been talking about the nation of Pakistan for so many episodes. But today, let me remind you one more time. This country, it's on the brink of collapse when we talk about democracy. Mainly because of one person, Imran Khan. It's not just about what he did. It's about his influence. And he's ready to coming back with much greater ambition for politics and so for social structures. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in order to understand everything, and also perhaps that proved me wrong, I can't find a better person rather than our distinguished speaker, which is Dr. Shariba Kahoot. Again, Dr. Kahoot is a PhD scholar of Shandong University in China. His research interests include Belt and Road Initiative and Energy Economics. He has carried out extensive research on Chinese investment across the globe and also the Belt Road Initiative. He belongs to Pakistan, wherein he worked for the government and private sectors as well. He regularly writes for international papers and journals. Well, Dr. Kahoot, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. My player, Mr. William, happy Children's Day. Thank you, Dr. Kahoot. Happy Children's Day. You know what you know what my parents once said? Well, we are always children after all. Well, I want to get started. Speaking of children, you know, let's put in a better word, which is called the childish behaviors. You know, previously, you and I, we had so much discussion regarding the country of Pakistan and also center on the concept of democracy. But again, as we mentioned before, Pakistan's ongoing political crisis has reached a crescendo this month with, again, the former Prime Minister Imran Khan's arrest. And of course, because of the rest that caused such chaos and protest nationwide. But meanwhile, some believe this is the battle, not just the political battle, it's the battle between Khan versus the Pakistan's military establishment. Dr. Kahoot. Previously, you and I, we had a discussion regarding this person. 
regarding the social economic crisis in Pakistan. But in this episode, I want to start with the first question. What is the Pakistan's military establishment? And why is it important for us to talk about this when we bring Imran Khan into the conversation? Yeah, as you know, just to remind your audience that Pakistan came into being in 1947 and so is India. So before their, uh, you see, uh, independence, there was a great grand British army here. So today's uh, the armies, both armies, Pakistan army and, and Indian army, they are the actually the, you know, cut factors of that great British army. So what was the British Army? British Army was the colonizing army of the subcontinent region. So you can say that the uh, the mindset also, you know, transferred. Unlike India, which is a fully functional democracy with zero episode of military coup, mm. Pakistan has had a very, uh, let me use this word, checkered history with the mm. military, with the four full-scale martial laws, and uh, so many uh, interference from the military into the politics, into the democratic setup that now the world is labeling uh, Pakistan as the most fragile democracy in the world. Mm. So, yeah, that's the history of the uh, military, you know, uh, in there. And then when, uh, when some political forces, they collude with the military, the people in, in bureaucracy, they they collude with the military. So that term we call as the military military establishment. Mm. So the role of military establishment in Pakistan's political uh, atmosphere is uh, very, you, you can say, uh, very important and it cannot be ignored. Mm. So the r- recent episode of all the, uh, the political turmoil in Pakistan, uh, it can be easily credited to the military establishment. Uh, because uh, it is their uh, mistake. It is the results of their so many mistakes that today Pakistan is passing through one of the very, you know, uh, fragile moment of its uh, 75 years old uh, old history. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Kahoot, previously you and I, we discussed the role of the constitution. Of course, this year that Pakistan celebrate the 50th anniversary for this founding document. But again, let's go back to the role of military government. Now, articles after articles that came out recently, and again, authors and experts believe that this is conflicting between the concept of democracy and also having this military establishment. Now, again, Dr. Kahoot, you're the expert. Help us with better understanding what is the guarantee of democracy if we continue allow this country to be ruled with the military power. Again, uh, nowadays that we've seen any other countries who are also being ruled under military authorities. And quite frankly, things have not been going very well, especially for the citizens. So from your perspective, Dr. Kahoot, again, the same question. Is democracy on the brink of collapse when we talk about the military government? And how likely can those two coexist today, especially for the country of Pakistan? You you see, the countries like Pakistan, where every now and then we see the episodes of the full-scale military coup and uh, martial law, you know. So in those countries, if you say that the democracy is uh, at the brink of collapse, I think we can't say that this term is over or extra exaggerated. Mm. 
Mm. I mean, to some extent, this term uh, does really apply mm. to the circumstances because the, the military has always been raising the, its own breed of politicians. So in the late uh, uh, or the mid-80s, 1980s, uh, it was the Nawaz Sharif and he was raised by the military. And in the later times, we see that it's, it was the Imran Khan, and Imran Khan was supported by the Pakistan military. Now it is uh, the open, open fact. It's not a secret anymore. Mm. You know, the generals have written in their books. The journalists, you know, they have reported it. You know, and Imran Khan also has, by the way, confessed it. Mm. You know, so so once what happens actually, uh, we need to understand that once when you raise a a particular politician at one day that politician becomes a very big challenge for the military you know as well because at the end of the day he needs to to stand at the correct side at the correct political side of the history mm. where the masses are standing mm. you know but the military always speak the language of power you know of of its own interest so which a political person like uh, imran khan who says himself, you know, a big critical person. But most of the analysts, the analyst, they term him as a cult leader, mm. that he doesn't have a political party, he has a cult around him. So and so. So yeah, uh, just like these uh, four years of Imran Khan government, from 2018 to 2022, you know, everyone has written Pakistan as a hybrid uh, governance system where there is no fully functional democracy, there is no fully full scale martial law, somewhere hybrid, hybrid in between. You see, so this was the new term for the Pakistanis because we either have seen the full scale martial law mm. or the fully functional democracy at some time, we were which we, we were lucky enough, but this time it was a hybrid model, right? So, you know, this scenario, so uh, so. All the politicians, except Imran Khan, because he was the beneficiary in 2018 when he became the prime minister. All the other the politicians were uh, blaming the army to do some poll rigging, mm. some rigging in the in the polling system. But the military didn't, you know, bother to answer their blames, and Imran Khan became prime minister in 2018. But he had to answer to the people because whether it's hybrid or whether it's you know fully functional democracy, ultimately you have to answer to the masses mm. you can't answer all the time to to your military bosses mm. so you know then then the then our economy uh some of the very vital signs of our economy they started uh, getting worst our relationship with our dear neighbors like china mm. like iran like these countries these uh, our relationships were deteriorating. You know, the Middle Eastern countries who have historically been Pakistan's best friend, uh, they were also not very happy with, with him. And also the United States of America, some things happened. And, you know, ultimately, he was ousted by the vote of no confidence. Mm. So the irony is this, that Imran Khan started blaming the military again. Mm. That now military has ousted me out of the government. So see, Pakistan is such a such such an interesting country that first when Imran Khan came into the power, the opposition parties were blaming that military has brought him into the power. Mm. And when Imran Khan was ousted from the government from uh, due to a political process, 
through VNC, which is a vote of no confidence, he started blaming the Pakistan military. Mm. So yeah, this is such a situation actually, which is an sort of an incomprehensible enigma, just like the hen and egg story. Yeah, so that's why it's very interesting. But at the same time, it's a sort of a paradox. You know, Dr. Kahoot, it's not just about the word interesting. As I was listening to the entire description, that again, the word it's even amusing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, former U.S. President Barack Obama said once, and I quote, "The arc of history bends towards justice." And again, end quote. I realized that he might have borrowed this quote. From another famous historical icon, which is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., because when we talk about social unrest, when we talk about this political polarization, it's one thing that we understand the existence establishment. It's not easy to be crumbled or to be crashed. But meanwhile, we know that it's time today that we need to bring another conversation into our dialogue, which again related to that. And I quote: "Because of the rest of Kun's uh, 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 again the the uh, uh, his arrest has been reported that thousands of Kun's party workers." Reportedly harassing their families in the process, and many of them are yet to be produced in court. We don't know whether this person is going to、uh, return to the political arena or not. But right now, based on the current reaction and based on the、uh, response from the citizens, correct me if I'm wrong, Doctor Kahoot. There seem to be the case that everyone or majority of the populations want this person to be back for many purposes. Now, let's talk about this reality. If this person is so controversial, if military power had no intention bringing him back, how significant is the voice of the citizen? How significant are the voices of the Khan's followers? Help us with better understanding, Doctor Kahoot. Yeah, you see, we need to understand one thing: that whenever the military comes into power, or whenever the military、uh, plays its role into the political dynamics of any country, it doesn't do it at the call of common people.、Mm. It it only do it because it thinks that at that point of time, that step is mandatory、mm. for the for the for. For、um, like they say, for the betterment of the country. So this scenario of Imran Khan is very interesting. Actually, it is a very interesting case study for the students of democracy, political science, you know, and governance. That first of all, it was a fully functional democracy running. All of a sudden, in 2016, the government of then Prime Minister、uh, Mia Mohammad Nawazshri, who is the elder brother and the three-time Prime Minister. Who is the elder brother of Mia Mohammad Shabazzi, who is now the Prime Minister of Pakistan, right? So his government was just rolled over and sent home、mm. due to some、uh, due to some uh, uh, indifferences with the with then military then military powers, right? And then eventually Imran Khan was brought into power through allegedly poll rigging with the, which the opposition parties blamed. Once he was in the power. So ultimately, his relationship with the military started deteriorating.、Mm. 
the prime reason because the country was not running well. Mm. We had started the Pakistan had started some differences with China, mm. you know, some differences with neighbors, even have some issues with the US. So it was looking at if as if Pakistan was look, was going into the isolation. Mm. And then the opposition parties, they brought the vote of no confidence again, Imran Khan. And to cut the long story short, Imran Khan's government was sent back home. Mm. To this state, Imran Khan and his supporters, his, his political party, Pakistan's movement uh, for justice, they are blaming that the, it was the military who ousted us out of power. Once the Imran Khan was out of power, there were some cases of corruption, some mismanagement of uh, financial resources. There, there were some cases against him. But he was not so ready to face the court. Mm. And so, so so there was a resistance from his side and his supporters' side. So ultimately, the military again had to show its muscle uh, and they arrested Imran Khan. Mm. The way they arrested Imran Khan, those visuals, they actually sparked his all followers, which are in which are in millions in Pakistan. There's no doubt about that. Mm. His party right now is the most famous party in Pakistan. Mm. It's the most populous party in Pakistan. Pakistan's more than 60% population is youth. Mm. And more than 80% of youth is with Imran Khan. No mm. doubt about that. So, when his supporters saw their leader being arrested in, in such a way, right, then they protested. Mm. And this protest was... Uh, being, is now being labeled as the 9-11 of Pakistan history mm. because it was unprecedented for the first time in the history of Pakistan or maybe in the history of subcontinent because we have never seen such episode in India. The supporters of Imran Khan, they attacked on the military installations. They attacked on the residences of the military high-ranked generals, right? As if for a moment... Uh, you know, it was being observed that maybe the Pakistan's uh, revolution, the France movement of Pakistan is coming. You know, the France, the French mm. revolution, mm. you know, it was like that. It was like that. But ultimately, the situation was controlled. So now, what, whatever is happening now is the, you can say, the reply from the military side. So all the perpetrators, all the people who were at those places that time through geofencing, they have been arrested. Of course, there is a lot of manhandling because, mm. because the military or the, you know, they are not trained to handle their own people. You mm. know? So, yeah, there are severe allegations on the security establishment about manhandling of uh, women, girls. And uh, so many people are yet to be pr the, to produce in the code. Some people are missing. Mm. Yeah. So, and there's a mass exodus of parliamentarians from Imran Khan party. Mm. So, practically speaking, now Imran Khan is totally being isolated. More than 120 of his member parliaments have been, you know, left his party. Mm. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Well, Dr. Kahoot, again, I thoroughly enjoy that you use the word called unprecedented. Of course, that again, we are looking at this geopolitical change and of course, this correlation between the geopolitical change and social stability. Now, going back to Imran Khan's arrest and also his confrontation with the military, some has called it, and I quote, a fight 
between the country's the most, most popular politician and it's the most powerful institution. This is not really the game where we need to say who is going, going to be the winner, who is going to be the loser. Of course, either of them could provide stability for the society and also could provide the sustainability of the democracy. Now, Dr. Kahoot, going back to the, uh, going back to uh, the question, when we look at the most popular politician versus the most powerful institution, how likely can we see the coexistence of those two? So in other words, when we look at the political polarization in the U.S. today, either Democrats or Republican. I mean, if you're independent, I'm sorry, you have to be a bench player for ages before you can get on the stage. But again, for the Pakistan, does it have to be this way? Is it only one winner and one loser? Or can we have stability while two things are existing at the same time? What do you say to that, Dr. Kahoot? First of all, you know, theoretically speaking or ideally speaking, if you follow idealism, uh, coexistence or why collaborating with each other of all the state institutions is the only way forward. Mm. Which, which very sadly didn't happen to Pakistan till now, which is one of the main reasons of the country's, you know, poor economic system, the poverty, the illiteracy, the higher rate of illiteracy, the malnutrition in the kids, the high infant uh, to mortality ratio. So it is the mother of all evils because the uh, civil military page, the civils and the military, they are not on the same page, same page. Although at some point of time for a year or two years, for example, uh, then Prime Minister uh, Imran Khan also claimed that the military and uh, civil uh, people, mm. they are on the same page. But look, if they were on the same page, then why during the just period of two or three years, why? Now Imran Khan is crying that his uh, army chief sent him home. Mm. You know, so this is a problem. Actually, this is a very grave problem, and this is not a new problem. But I say that if all the institutions they remain in their limits and they do their role, they play their role. This is the only way forward, mm. which unfortunately we don't see. Yeah, mm. that's my answer. Dr. Hoot, I got two more questions before letting you go. Now, again, some suggest that when we see countries such as Pakistan is facing the crisis regarding democracy, naturally speaking, we need to bring U.S. into the conversations. I want to read something to you and I want to get your reaction. And this is the article written by another expert. And I quote, when we look at this political and social chaos, this means the Biden administration should explicitly speak up against the violation of the rules of law and the country's constitution, especially against the idea that civilians may be tried in military courts in the country and in support of free, fair, and on-time elections in Pakistan this year, end quote. 
Now, Dr. Kahoot, I want to get your reaction. Is it time for the U.S. to step in, continue to be the loudspeaker for this democratic system, sustainable abilities, or is it time for U.S. to continue to solve its internal turmoil first before reaching out or offering a tangible advice to the countries of Pakistan? Yeah, you see, Pakistan and U.S. relationship has always been a relationship of love and hate, mm. right? There are there there have been those rulers of uh, Pakistan who were the best friend of uh, the the United States, right? But again, we have also seen such rulers uh, who, at one point of time, were supporter of the U.S., but later on, when they were ousted out of the government, they started bashing the United States. Mm. Pakistan remained the front state ally country of the United States during war on terror, right? So, and also, U.S. is the provider of one of the biggest, uh, you can say, assistance program to Pakistan in the form of United States Agency for International Development, USAID, right? So, that's how, you know, Pakistan cannot uh, cut off, you know, wholeheartedly with the with the U.S. because mm. majority of the like the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy people and the generals and the high politicians, they have one or two or more than two, three family members as a U.S. nationals. Mm. You know, the dream of the Pakistani students every day, every year graduating is to go to the United States. Mm. So United States, people look up to the United States. There's a reality. Nobody can deny that. Sure. For all of these reasons, United States always meddle into Pakistani's affairs, mm. Pakistan's affair. Mm. Because Pakistan as a state has already given that space to the U.S. that they can comment, they can play their role. And it's been ages that politicians also blame the U.S. for, uh, just for example, Imran Khan, when he was outside, when he when he was ousted from the, from his government in 2023-22, he blamed the United States for the regime change operation. That's what he quote. Mm. So there, so he said that there was a United States uh, the secretary. His name was Donald Liu, who was responsible for the Pakistan and Afghanistan's political affairs. So he actually hatched this conspiracy to to roll back the government of Imran Khan. Mm. So that was Imran Khan blaming him. Look, one Pakistani politician blaming United States to back his government. So, quid pro quo. Now the United States is, you know, passing its comments about Pakistan. So this is not new. You know, so many people in Pakistan. There is a stereotype in Pakistan that whatever is happening in the power corridors in Pakistan, it is happening because the United States want wanted. Mm. One of the key Pakistani military general, he's no more now. He once passed this statement that Pakistan chief of military, the military chief of Pakistan, every military chief of Pakistan comes by the approval of United States. Mm. This much is the influence of United States in Pakistan, which we cannot ignore. Mm. So yeah. Idly speaking, again, again, I will say that Pakistan is a sovereign country. No other country has a right to meddle into its affairs. But at the same time, Pakistan rulers, whether they are generals, they are judges, they are bureaucracy or the executive or the politician, they should also make sure that not to drag U.S. in their own, you know, party affairs or in their own petty mm -hmm. affairs. Yeah. 
Dr. Kahoot, I want to wrap up our conversation actually by asking a question that proposed by one of our viewers to Dr. Kahoot is, we know that today, again, as the beginning, you mentioned this democracy in Pakistan is rather fragile. But looking around the world today, it doesn't seem like we have un any other options. For example, some countries are running on this ideology of being a authoritarian country or a meritocracy or even, uh, again, socialism, however you want to call it. Or, of course, today in the U.S., we're running this as a capitalistic and also democratic system. Now, Dr. Kahoot, hypothetically speaking, if the democracy in Pakistan today, it's rather fragile. Are we going to see any alternative options? Are we going to see authoritarian system, socialism system, meritocracy, or maybe a monarchy? Do we see any other options? Or even though it's fragile, but it's better still to preserve and protect the value of democracy in Pakistan. What do you say to that? Yeah, look, I'm a hopeful person. I'm an optimist person, but I'm not very insanely op optimist. I always keep the facts in, into the consideration. Mm. Look, looking into the 75 years history of Pakistan, uh, I must say that what I can forecast or what I can see that similar circumstances will carry forward. Mm. Pakistan will will be the similar. Sometimes a military will be more powerful. Sometimes some uh, civil uh, leader will be, you know, uh, powerful. So this uh, uh, policy will be there. You know, Pakistan cannot afford socialism or communism or these these systems because Pakistan, just to give you an example, you think of the America, the United States of America is the American nation. Mm. Is, okay. You think of the China as a Chinese nation, Russia, Russian nation, Germany, Germany, German nation. In Pakistan case, we have different type of, uh, uh, you can say, the uh, one of our province, Balochistan. Half of the Balochistan or more than half is in Iran. Mm. So we have Irani Balochistan and we have Pakistani Balochistan. Then we have Punjab. So it is Pakistani Punjab and Indian Punjab on both sides of the border. So our country's configuration is such that we need to uh, take into consideration all political views, you know, and also the configuration of Pakistani governance system is like that, that we cannot keep military out of the picture all the time. Because on one side of the border, we have India. On the other side of the border, we have Iran. On, on the other side of the border, we have the Afghanistan, which is, which is a war-torn, most, most unexpected country in the world. Absolutely. We know it. Right. So the military has got its fair share in the governance. They make sure that certain issues of foreign policy, military always keep in its own hand. For example, nuclear power, the nuclear power, uh, the nuclear policy of Pakistan. Always the military has the final say. The Kashmir uh, policy of Pakistan, Kashmir, which is the point of dispute between Pakistan and India mm. since the last 75 years. Military also keep it with it. The Afghan policy of Pakistan, military always keep it, in, keep with it. So we cannot minus the role of the military, but at the same time, we can also not minus the role of the genuine political leaders. Mm -hmm. So I think this uh, rope, uh, you know, uh, rope sharing or rope, you know, this will keep on, you know, sometime more weight on this side, more weight on that side, and it will keep on happening. That's what I can foresee. 
Well, Dr. Kahoot, I really appreciate this optimistic attitude. Of course, again, when we look at the country of Pakistan, there's no doubt that democracy should be preserved and protect and honored at all time. And also, I still hold on to the same belief that when we are looking at any countries facing this democratic challenges or a democratic crisis, it's better that we s solve this issue internally before blindly asking help from other countries and which, you know, sometimes might work, but most of the time we know that it doesn't really help to solve the crisis at all. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Dr. Sharipa Kahoot. Again, Dr. Kahoot is a PhD scholar of Shandong University from China, and his research interests include Belt and Road Initiative and Energy Economics. He regularly writes for international papers and the journals. Well, again, Dr. Kahoot, it's been a pleasure of speaking to you, and thank you so much again taking your time to help us with even deeper and more insightful analysis regarding the country. And hopefully very soon we're able to see uh, the, another political or social performance from Imran Khan, or perhaps that we're going to see another side of the table is going to turn up on the street. Well, again, Dr. Kahoot, thank you so much for doing this.